Good morning and welcome to this assembly. And first, let's get our Bibles open, this time in the book of Psalms, chapter 78, the 78th Psalm. Now you'll see when you find this location in the Bible that there are 72 verses. And of course, I will not have sufficient time to bring up every verse in this chapter. However, there is a very clear theme in this chapter, and it is a theme that needs our attention. And that's where our focus will be. There is a word we do not use much these days. It is a part of biblical history and it's certainly a part of religious history. And that word is apostasy. Modern synonyms would be defection or abandonment. I'm using the word to refer to departure from God. People who are blessed by God, they recognize the goodness of God and they respond to Him. They become obedient to the gospel and then obedient to God's law given through Christ. Then, then under pressure of temptation, they walk away and they depart from him. They no longer live according to his will. That's called apostasy. And this chapter in Psalms is a historical account of God's people during the Old Testament time walking away from God. I want us to read some of this and learn some needed lessons from this history. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 7. Psalms 78, 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. That's the 78th Psalm. Verses 1 through 7. Now, if this is all we had, if the chapter ended there, just these seven verses, it would be considered positive. Tell your children about God. Tell your grandchildren about God. Tell the coming generation. 
any young people that you have contact with. If the chapter stopped at verse 7, we would come away with these simple but profound lessons for all of God's people forever. You know, we won't be here forever. While we are here, God wants us to teach the next generation. And that tone is set in the opening verses in Psalm 78. But remember, there are 72 verses. So what's the rest of the story? It is sad. It documents the apostasy of God's people back in that age, a nation created by God and blessed by God. But look now at verse 8, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This history, beginning here in verse 8, this history was written for our learning. And I want to study this with you, and it could be called a story of apostasy. Rebellion against God, God's reaction to that, but then God's willingness to forgive and restore. So this morning, let's see what is written here about the apostasy of God's people, his nation Israel, and what the inspired writer wanted people to do with that history. I'm going to read from the middle of verse 7 over through verse 11. We're now going to proceed to get a larger picture of what this is all about. That they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Now, we read this from verses 8 through 11. And one word may come to mind, shame. God blessed these people. In verse 12 it says he performed wonders in the land of Egypt. You know where that takes you to that story back in Egypt and coming out of Egypt. See, God formed this nation, took them out of Egyptian bondage. Verse 13 reminds us, he divided the sea and let them pass through. All through this historical account, the writer tells us all the good things God did for this nation, the Jewish people. He gave them bread and meat and guided them. Verse 19 says, he spread a table in the wilderness. But verse 22 says, they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving powers. Shame is what occurs to us. Look over at verses 36 and 37. They flattered him with their mouths 
They lied to him with their tongues, 37. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Then look at verses 40 and 41. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. So, a people created by God, formed into a nation, blessed by God, but they left God. They formed alliances with other nations. They practiced idolatry. And verse 56 says, They tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep His testimonies. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? All this becomes a warning to each one of us to take God seriously. To take God seriously. To receive His blessings with utmost gratitude to Him. And then part of that gratitude is to respond to Him faithfully. Not just in a building like this, but in life out there, every day and every night, being His people from the inside out, knowing who we're dealing with. And who will stand before in judgment. This chapter documents the history of God's people back in that time. It is a sad story of apostasy. <clears throat> I want us to observe how God reacted to all of this rebellion and unfaithfulness we've read about. The inspired writer does not leave us guessing. Look with me at these verses, 21 and 22. Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. God doesn't look at rebellion and then just turn around and look the other way. Our rebellion, our disobedience isn't hidden from God and there is no automatic immunity. It says the Lord heard and saw and his reaction is identified. He was full of wrath. Because he is God, that is his right. Look further, over in verses 59 through 62. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. You can read all about that in the Old Testament and God's relationship to and God's response to rebellion in the nation of Israel. There is a New Testament passage that comes to mind. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So, the apostasy of the people was not unnoticed and not taken lightly by their God. People today, in many instances, come to Christ through repentance and baptism, activated by their faith and becoming a citizen in his kingdom, motivated at first, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, exhibiting zeal. And a few years later, that zeal has diminished. And a few years later, it cannot be discovered. And several years later, they are weaker. They're back into the world. And you never see them. As described in Hebrews chapter 2, they have drifted away, negligent of such a great salvation. And likewise in Hebrews in chapter 10 verse 26, they're guilty of sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. Or in Galatians chapter 1, deserting the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel now living under the influence of the world or some religion that has no basis in Scripture at all. God knows who those people are. And again in Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Psalm 78 tells us the story of the nation of Israel rebelling against God, a God who had been so good to them. Then it tells us God's reaction to that rebellion. But here's the extraordinary thing about this account of apostasy. God was willing to forgive, to redeem, to restore just as other verses here speak of his wrath, look with me now at verse 38. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. Listen to this phrase. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. And so, at the end of this sad chapter, there is the goodness of God, his willingness to forgive the penitent and restore, keeping the nation intact, though they were exiled. Verses 69 to 72. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. So there is the sober reality of God's wrath... And he is in that regard just, yet willing to forgive and restore. 
Now, I, I said something I need to explain further. I said a moment ago, willing to forgive the penitent. And this connects to what I said earlier about no automatic immunity. Throughout God's dealings with his nation Israel, the message to sinners has always been repent. It is captured perfectly in Ezekiel 18 verse 21, where God through the prophets said this, If a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. That's the 78th Psalm. What do we need to get from this? Well, there are obvious lessons for us to learn from this chapter in the book of Psalms relevant to us today. Simply put, don't even think about rebelling against God. It will not turn out well. There is the just wrath of God toward those who turn from him that we never want to encounter. We will stand before the judgment seat. We want that to be a joyous time that takes us to a heavenly home. Thankful to Christ that he made that possible for those who respond to him. Obvious lessons. God's compassion God's love demonstrated by Jesus, who he is and what he did for us, and where he is at the right hand of God. All of that is obvious from the 78th Psalm. There's something else we need to take from the 78th Psalm. I want to go back and read again those first seven verses. See if you hear something else that we need to take from the 78th Psalm. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Well, I think you heard it. And I think you saw it if your Bible is open. What 
we have learned from this passage and all that we learn from every other passage in this book, we must tell to our children, our grandchildren, and the next generation. Because we don't want them to forget the works of God. We want them to be recipients of the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ. Yes, our challenge from this chapter is tell the coming generation. The generations to come will not be inclined to praise God and serve Him if we do not impress them with the importance of praising God and serving Him now. Parents and Bible teachers do a great work when they inform their children about God, about Christ, about the church, about what God's people ought to do to set their hope on God. Our children and grandchildren need more than just observing what we do, though they need that. They need to hear us. You see the word there? Tell the coming generation. They need Bible classes. They need to hear their parents pray and speak of the greatest story ever told. My point, my primary point in taking us to the 78th Psalm is in verse 4 of the passage. Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. We need to preach the gospel to the world, to our neighbors, to our friends and our co-workers. But let's start with our children. Let's be standing while we sing.